When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, welcome back to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me is the amazing, oh so wonderful, incredible, and all. Wow. You you cut me off. I can't even remember what I was gonna say now. Ariel. <laughs> oh boy. These intros um, just keep I'm gonna better and better. I'm gonna go through the encyclopedia and find as many great words to describe you as I can. Why? Because <laughs> we missed you and we needed to know that you're incredible. But anywho, Ariel, we're going to talk about something exciting today. I know. What is it we're going to talk about? Pickles. No. Uh, amazing, incredible, awesome bosses and sub bosses. Dang it. Well, all the material I brought for today is uh, pointless. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there could really use some pickle facts for their pickle podcast. I love pickles. <laughs> so, Ariel. Yes. I think if you're okay with it, I'm going to start us off today. Well, you normally do take the lead, so go ahead. Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> so we're going to go through some, not all, of the sub-bosses, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And we are definitely going to go through all of the bosses. Except for Ganondorf. Because we've already done an episode about him. So the sub-bosses that we're not going to talk about are pretty much the basic ones, like the big Octorok. And, you know, they, they don't really need a whole lot of explanation behind them. Margaret I'm done with you <laughs> uh, but we are going to start off with the stalls so our first I'm just going to interrupt you right there and just say that you should have went by its actual name and that's Skeletal Sinbad Skeletal <laughs> I'm done with you <laughs> Oh, well, Skeletal Sinbad, a.k.a. the Stalfos. So but if we're going to talk about the Stalfos, we could talk about the boss fight and everything and how great it is. And But let's that's not what people tune in for. They tune in for the nitty gritties. So we're actually going to talk about stalls as a species here. So the first thing to note about stalls is that they are skeletal soldiers. 
and they've appeared through multiple different games, through multiple different years, but they always keep the iconic look of skeletal creatures or figures, humanoids. Now, what they actually are, are undead creatures, of course, but they don't follow the same rules as Poe. See, the big difference between them and Poe is that the Poe are spirits that have become monsters due to a lingering attachment to the living world. Whereas the Stahl, Stalfos in particular in this one, are they are soldiers who died in battle. So we also have a second origin point for these things, which is explained in the Ocarina time as grown-ups who are lost in the Lost Woods. They become Stalfos. Whereas children who are lost in the Lost Wood become none other than Skull Kid. And we're going to do a whole episode on Skull Kids when we get to Majora's Mask, but I think that's an incredibly interesting concept here. I think it's sad. It's super sad. We actually get to see this happen in the Ocarina of Time. And we'll talk more about that situation in particular when we get to some notable characters in the character episode. But that moment, I just have to say, was one of the biggest heart-wrenching moments for me when you had to deal with that particular NPC and knowing that they became a Stalfos after everything just shattered me especially as a, a nine-year-old kid that just shattered me. I don't have any empathy. Oh, you liar. <laughs> so going on with the stalls, um, I mentioned earlier that you can find these creatures in almost every single game. However, it is also important to make mention that you can find skeletal beasts and monsters in each game. They too are technically considered stall. Now, the way these become stall is they are usually reanimated through, shall we say, evil or dark means. We see this a lot in Breath of the Wild when you're fighting your uh, Oso illustrious skeletal versions. No. Of your uh, piggies and your. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but we also see this in a couple other games, such as Twilight Princess when we have to fight a wonderful stall dragon. And we also see this in one of the most infamous stall in the series, which is none other than the shade, the hero shade in Twilight Princess. Shade. Shade. Which we find out later is confirmed to be the hero of time. So I know we haven't gotten to Twilight Princess yet, and I will save a lot of this info dump for Twilight Princess, but it's important to note that the reason I bring him up now is because Stahl typically do not have control of their own minds. Now, there are certain notable ones like the hero Spirit, King Akana from Majora's Mask, Captain Kida from Majora's Mask. There's a couple notable ones that do have control or somewhat control of their mind. But for the most part, they are mindless 
creatures that only have one purpose, which is to fight. Each one of those that I mentioned prior to, however, have another purpose besides coming back to fight. The hero spirit comes back to teach what he knows to the next generation. The King Akana is trying to lead his people even after death. Captain Kido was given specific orders. You know, they they have another purpose besides fighting, but the fighting is still a purpose of theirs, which is why they come back as Stalfos. Hmm. So with that being said, that's pretty much all there is on Stalfos. For now. <laughs> well, guess what I brought? What did you bring? I brought the giant Franken zombie. Dead hand. Oh, dead hand. <laughs> Even in both versions of the game, the you know, original Ocarina of Time and Ocarina of Time 3D. Ugh. Oh, gross. Very gross. Ugh. So, the dead hand is a large-jawed zombie-like nightmare-fueled miniboss. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> he's got... And he's got green blood. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah. And he seems to be covered in blood stains. It's, you know, the red blotches mm -hmm. can kind of... looks Yeah. I'm just saying it. It's blood stains. Yeah, it's heavily implied that they are. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, skip the implications. Like, I'm just straight up saying it is. So, <laughs> yeah. About four to six infinite hands circle the chamber where the big ugly appears. And he uses those hands to catch prey, which he will then emerge to eat. Hmm. Ugh. Gross. Yep. <laughs> so it's speculated that the dead hands are based off of classic horror zombies. Mm-hmm. And the I actually found out a cool little bit of information. The German translation of the dead hand is brain feeder. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> You know, so zombies. Confirmation. Zombies. <laughs> yeah. So I called it Franken Zombie because he's. Yeah. So I'm going to do mine a little bit different than Aaron's. Um, upon defeating him, um, which bombs and swords are the era's weaknesses, mm -hmm. he drops the lens of truth at the bottom of the well and hover boots at the Shadow Temple. So I just wanted to share what the loot you get from <laughs> beating them. And it's theorized. And I like this theory that dead hand is a combination of the tortured victims of the evil man in Kakariko who took people to his dungeon and tortured them, which is the well now. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people think that, that that Dead Hand is the man, but let me explain a little bit why I think it's a combination of the tortured souls. So this would explain the Redeads and Gibdos as well at the bottom of the well okay. because of the undead. 
and them being tortured souls. Okay, I'm following. Okay, so... And because Dead Hand is pretty large, it would make more sense for him to be a combination of people or tortured souls Mm -hmm. instead of just being the evil man or a single victim. Okay. Just keep in mind, people, this is a theory. Yeah. You know, just... But I liked it. I thought it made more sense. It seems, it, uh, in all honesty, it seems more feasible because that same evil man is the one who we hear about, you know, with the eye of truth and everything else. There's a theory, there's another theory that goes hand in hand with that, with the evil man actually being Bongo Bongo that we'll get into in a little bit. Bongo Bongo. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's what I have on Dead Hand, the Franken-Zombie. The Franken-Zombie. I do love the fact that the German translation literally means brain-eater. Brain-feeder. Brain-feeder, sorry. I I still love it. (laughs) Brain-feeder. So moving on from the dark, twisted, and dead aspects of Legend of Zelda, let's move on to something a little bit more living. The Iron Knuckle. Iron Knuckle. The Iron Knuckle. So, the Iron Knuckle is, again, another enemy that's been in multiple Legend of Zelda games, and they always have different origins or different, you know, different purpose. However, in Ocarina of Time, the Iron Knuckle is, in description, it it comes in different colors, but they always follow the kind of the same pattern. It's a very big, tall, heavily armored figure that wields a giant axe. So that being said, there are different forms in, you know, later on in the series and even sometimes in this one, sometimes it's swords. The weapon's always changing, but the same kind of concept is there. Heavy armored, large figure. Now, that being said, in this game in particular, the Iron Knuckle boss that we fight in this one is none other than Naburu that has been locked away in the suit of armor and hypnotized by two terrible people. That's right. Ganondorf's mommies. Oh boy. So, yes. Kome and Katake actually hypnotize Naburu and lock her in this armor and you have to boss fight. Once you beat her, the armor is busted off and you save her. Save the day. Kinda. This leads us into the twin Rova fight, which we will discuss later. However, it's important to note that this is not the only Iron Knuckle that we fight in this game. There are actually others. In the original N64 release, you could actually glitch your way into the armor and see other Gerudo heads in the armor. This was originally theorized that they did this to kind of use that kind of body and formatting to build around for the suits of armor, but later was actually, it was 
fully approved as canon that not only Nabaru was locked in here, but other Gerudo were locked in these suits of armor as well. That sounds awful. It is truly awful. <laughs> so, with that being said, I liked I liked Ariel's little thing about weaknesses. So, uh, some really good weaknesses for our lovely little Iron Knuckle. Knuckle. Uh, Knuckle are bombs, obviously. Bomb shoes or the Megaton Hammer. The arrows are really good once you open up certain sections of the armor because it can pinpoint accuracy hit. But other than that, it's pretty much just blow off the armor with your heavies and then pinpoint attack the weak points. So once you are done fighting the Iron Knuckle, like I said, you'll get Naboru, find out she was brainwashed, and then you'll have to re-save her. Uh, but yes, that's pretty much all we have on the Iron Knuckle. Not a whole lot here. So you ready for the last little mini boss that we're going to cover? I'm so ready. Let's do this. Emo Link. Emo- <laughs> who, who is Emo Link? Dark Link. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my little Emo Link. Anyways, he is the evil reflection of Link, clearly. As constructed of shadow magic, he bears the resemblance to Link wearing the same outfit. However, instead of green, it's dark gray. And he has red eyes, dark skin, and dark hair. Mm-hmm. So dark Link. Dark Link. Instead of green Link. <laughs> so this mini boss is more than just defeating an enemy. It's defeating yourself. Yes, and I will say it was really hard. Yeah, yeah, because it's match strength and health. And it takes the number of heart containers you have to hit him with a master sword to defeat him. And when he's hit, he'll fall through the floor and pop up behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> so another really crappy part is he's also nearly transparent in the beginning of the fight but he will become more opaque as the battle continues and when he's fully opaque he's more aggressive and will attack more than just reacting to your moves yep nope yeah (laughs) and his weaknesses are sword megaton hammer dense fire and broken giant's knife the broken giant's knife. I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> he is at the water temple. And when defeated, you will be able to enter a room where you'll get the long shot. Da, da, da. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I have a couple little interesting facts about him, though. Let's go. So, Dark Leak appears next to a dead blackened tree, which is a contrast to the living green trees surrounding Link in his youth. This really emphasizes the light and dark scenario. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that, but yeah. Yeah. 
And if you stun Dark Link with Deku Nuts in a specific way, Dark Link will mirror Link's every move, which can be hilarious. Because, for example, if Link leans over and pants when he's on low health, Dark Link will also act exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) And Dark Link also mimics idle animations, such as checking the sword and tunic. (laughs) Yes. Yep. And... So, due to the graphical limitations of the 64, Dark Link's sword and shield are part of his limbs. Oh, really? Yeah. Never noticed that. In Ocarina of Time 3D, Dark Link is more detailed and textured, giving him a similar appearance to the Dark Interloper's visual aids. Yeah. And also, when he's defeated, he makes the same sound effects that Link makes when he's knocked down. He does. (laughs) I love that little tidbit, too. And then the last little thing I have is just a fun little thing. In Breath of the Wild, you can purchase a Dark Link armor set at Kilton's Fang and Bone Shop after completing all four Divine Beasts. Which I did buy, by the way. You did, right right away. Yeah, I did buy it. (laughs) And this armor only makes you run faster at night. And it also makes people recoil when they see you. That's probably the greatest part of that. Right. (laughs) So I did want to kind of coax you into talking about something that you taught me, actually. Which was... To Dougie? No, not stuck. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) No, the difference between Shadow Link and Dark Link. Oh, yeah. Because there's there's apparently a difference. They're they're not the same. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't confuse Shadow Link with Dark Link. Mm. Shadow Links are the dark reflection, reflection of Link like Dark Link. But the Hyrule Historia states that the evil thoughts and resentment of Ganondorf who had been killed by an earlier incarnation of Link in Twilight Princess, manifested through the dark mirror mirror in the form of Link. Mm-hmm. And that's Shadow Link. And it's said that he's possibly related to Dark Link, but has distinct differences in behavior, origin, and appearance. Again, another early talk about you know, Twilight Princess, but I thought it was so interesting that we needed to bring it up right now. And I knew that Shadow Link was a manifestation of more of Ganon's hatred and disgust for Link, but I also still thought that some of it was like the reflection of Link, which is what always confused me. But now it makes total sense after you saying that they're two totally different entities. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that being said, and we're done with our sub bosses, I think it's time to go to mid break before we get to our uh, big bosses. Yeah. Get. Yeah. Get. Ariel, we're at the middle of the show. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Do you know what we do first? 
Oh, we thank our wonderful, awesome, amazing patrons. Well, don't sound excited about it. Well, because I didn't get to say something funny this time. Well, say something funny now. Pickles. (laughs) I'm done with you. (laughs) (laughs) But we do have to thank our amazing patrons, such as our Golden Goddess level patron, Kex, our Hyrule Royalty patron, Paul Butt, our Sheikah patrons, Deadeye0325 and Relic2Redman, and our Kokiri patron, Remington Cloutier. I might not have sounded very excited when I said that, but you guys are awesome, and I really do appreciate you. You all are pretty awesome. Yes, yes, and uh, yes. But that doesn't that doesn't mean our listeners aren't awesome as well. Of course, because our <laughs> listeners are pretty awesome as well. <laughs> but that's not what you wanted to say. <laughs> no, this is PG. So <laughs> no, with without you know, I we appreciate our patrons because you know they fund you know uh, have they give us the funds to be able to make this show better in a lot of different ways and they give us the ability to give back to the community that we love but we also have to thank our listeners for that very same thing you know ads and you know the the ratings and the reviews and it's just everything just listening and sharing it with friends allows us to do that very same thing yep so thank you to everyone who enjoys the show a very special thank you to our patrons and uh yeah everybody's just awesome pretty much yeah we have an awesome community i just i just have to say that but speaking of awesome community ariel it's time to read some reviews yeah uh i actually might give this one to you ariel we got a very very awesome review and i wanted to give you the opportunity to read it if you'd like so this one comes from tar miniature the second the second yeah and it says thank you so much amazing podcast really helped me understand a lot of stuff just played Breath of the Wild. Love all of LOZ now. Please give me a full episode on just time travel logic, though. Please, with a million exclamation points. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. it, it's going to happen. Yeah. Ocarina time. It's going to happen. Yep. P.S. Ariel, your interpretation corner has earned my love. And as a writer, I have granted you the honorable award of having a protagonist in a story of mine named after you. She will be as funny and what was that weird word from Aaron's funny intros? (laughs) Illustrious. The illustrious Ariel. As you are made out to be. Worry not. PPS. Why is my postscript longer than my actual comment? (laughs) That's okay. I'm okay with this. I'm glad that your postscript was longer. And you know what? Let, thank you. Thank you so much because that actually made my day. <laughs> I texted it to you while I was out because I get notifications at the same time there's a review. And all she texted back was, that made my day. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. I am honored that I'm now in a story. 
that is pretty cool. We 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 might have to see if we can get maybe a copy of yeah. that story so you can read it. You're an Advent reader. I love reading, so yes, yes please send me send me it when you're done. That would be freaking awesome, and I would love that. So I've got a few more if you'd like to hear them. I would. So this one comes to us from none other than the Hillian researcher, Kex. So, says, for experts and newcomers alike, five stars. Even if you've played every single game in the series, I would be shocked if you didn't learn something new from this podcast. The hosts are very entertaining, and the discussions are thought-provoking. They go out of their way to summarize the events of the games for newcomers, whether you have played all of the games or none. This is the podcast for you. Aside from a few than... Aside from a few theory episodes, a lot of episodes for now are about general information. But once the examination of each game is complete, there will be deep dives to look forward to about many different topics. I am glad Ariel has recovered and I am excited for the future of this podcast. Kex! You're so sweet, Kex. Kex is so sweet. (laughs) So the next one comes to us from none other than another one of our patrons. Paul what? Best LOZ podcast. Love the podcast. The lure is great, but the merch segment is really cool too. Both hosts are likable. Keep it up, guys. Oh, thank you. Did you, did you hear that? I'm likable. Oh, boy. Thanks for inflating his <laughs> ego even more. Uh, so the next one comes to us from Arcane Zelda. Lots of fun. Five stars. I love this podcast. This podcast is a sweet balance between fact listening and describing how emotionally impactful some aspects of the game are, whether happy, sad, or fun. I also love how you two bring interesting merchandise to our attention in case we want to purchase any cool Zelda clothing, accessories, and even ocarinas. Love what you two are doing and how you are doing it. Overall, five out of five stars and lots of fun. Thank you. Lots of fun with this guy. (laughs) So on that topic, though, if you are looking to purchase an ocarina, look no further. Oh, head on over to STL Ocarina. Use our promo code LOZLORD10 and get 10% off your purchase because who doesn't love saving? We all love saving. Let's just be honest. Oh, yeah. I love my money. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. No, it's pretty cool. You get 10% off of your ocarina, which is breathtakingly beautiful anyways, the ocarina. You want to buy from them. You just do. (laughs) No pressure. All the pressure. All the pressure. All the pressure. Uh, All joking aside, though, you're getting 10% off. Okay. In addition to that, you're getting a wonderful customer support system. Absolutely wonderful. Use it a couple times myself. And in addition to that, even you're getting access, depending on the, you know, which ocarina you buy, you're getting access to a learn how to play book. And they've even got other songs you can learn to play. You can pay like a dollar. I think I saw one of them on there for like a dollar 75 to learn how to play some very iconic songs. The one I'm talking about in particular is none other than the theme song from Totoro. 
Yeah, that's like top on my list. Of, <laughs> I absolutely love Totoro. Do, 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 do. Oh, uh, it, excuse me. Anyway, so yes, you're getting all of this stuff at the tip of your finger and with a discount. So why not? If you've thought about it and you're like, ah, even if you want one just to put on the shelf with all your other Legend of Zelda memorabilia, check it out. What did you bring to today's mid-break? I can finally say this. Oh, boy. I read an article. Oh, boy. Much like I have not done on this podcast. (laughs) Because there's not that much Legend of Zelda articles out there. Not right now, no. No, but there was this one. And it comes to us from Nintendo Life. Ooh. And it's first four figures reveals Legend of Zelda Link on horseback resin statue pre-order now. Yes. And I believe you've shown this to me, haven't you? I have. (gasps) So this was updated on Wednesday the 17th. So two days ago. Mm -hmm. And First Four Figures has officially unveiled the new Link on Horseback resin statue. And pre-orders and early bird offers on each one are available for the next 20 days and the estimated release date is in the third quarter of 2023. Okay. So, I'm just going to go through this. You have the standard edition, which you get Link, the Link on Horseback statue. Mm-hmm. A highly detailed base inspired by Breath of the Wild, limited edition numbering, and authentication card. And the height of this is 22 inches. And this price, it's, it's kind of costly. It'll run you at $821.99. A little pricey, but believe me when I say the statue is uh, just breathtaking. It's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. So then you have the exclusive edition, which you get the statue, the highly detailed base. You get a removable hooded cloak. You get an LED function for the Sheikah slate. You get a manual turntable, limited edition numbering and authentication card. And this statue, well, the height is 22 and a half inches. Okay. And this price is $829.99. And then we have the last edition, which is the bronze edition. And this one is a bronze resin statue of Link on the Horseback. You get the, um, still get the highly detailed base, the LED function for the Sheikah slate, the manual turntable, the limited edition numbering, and the authentication card. And this one is 22 and a half inches tall as well. This price is $839.99. And it really is just bronze. Yeah, it's just a bronze statue mm-hmm. of the, you know, original, which is still, it's still actually real pretty. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I will post this link in the show notes. Check it out. If you have like, you know, $800 just laying around wanting to spend, I highly suggest getting this because it's pretty. 
I want one, but we'll never be able to afford that. No, no, we don't have $800. <laughs> oh, goodness. But it is really pretty. It is very pretty. Well, Ariel, I too also brought merch. No, 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 no. This was an article about merch. Well, I brought merch then, and mine's better. Because mine is the illustrious, amazing Cuckoo! The birds. <laughs> so, mine comes to us from Etsy. The creator is Dusty Lion Crafts. This cuckoo is a seven inch cuckoo plushie. You have the choice between 36 different colors for your cuckoo, and you can also get a noise making option so it can have a squeaker or a rattle inside. Oh boy. <laughs> So, uh, I will say it is very nicely crafted and it is everything you'd want out of a cuckoo. (sighs) (laughs) I don't hate them, but I hate them. Oh, well, how about I give you another bonus merch item? What? What? So... I was looking through these things and I also I, I, I just happened to recommend something else to me and it's also from Etsy. This creator, however, is Dan Lee Vate Handmade and it is a crochet Hestu doll. Oh, <laughs> I like Hestu. So the first one will put you anywhere from $25 to $28 depending on the color and if you get a noisemaker or not in it. This one will run you $50, but it is a handmade crocheted Hestu doll. And I will say it is pretty adorable. I know he's got a little maracas. (laughs) Oh, it's so cute. I couldn't help but bring both. I couldn't decide which one, so I just decided both. Hestu. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think this is the perfect time to jump to the end of the episode. But before we do... We have to talk about our friends over at... Hello, Hyrule. (laughs) So our friends at Hello, Hyrule podcast, uh, they do an incredible show that goes a little bit more in depth with each game and its levels. It is a exclusive travel log podcast of the world of Hyrule. And you can dive in with the podcast hosts, Pete and Chris, as they explore Hyrule in depth. Wait, so they explore Hyrule? Is that why they're named Hello Hyrule? That is exactly why. Wow. Mind blown. Get out of here. I know. <laughs> I'm really not making fun of them. It, go listen to them because it is awesome. It is I'm awesome. Just, I'm me. So that's what I do. Mm. If you ever wondered what something tasted like, you will find out there. Or you can just ask me. I'll come up with a really (laughs) interesting way of what it tastes Uh, like. Goodness. So, yeah, go give them a listen and add it to your podcast lists. In fact, I recommend listening to it right after you listen to ours. Because, you know, it goes together like peanut butter and jelly. Only after ours, though. Listen to ours first. You can listen to theirs first. It's okay. Uh, no. (laughs) 
I'm just kidding, listeners. I'm really not this mean. She really is. I am. (laughs) Well, with that being said, I think it's time to dive into the end of the episode and talk about us some bosses. Like boss. And we're back from the mid-break. Stealing my thunder. Yep. That's what I do. (laughs) Can I just say, um, like a boss, that was great. I'm so happy that you said that. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. Like a boss. (laughs) Speaking of like a boss, what do you got for us? I got some bosses. Mm. (laughs) And the first one, okay. I, I have a funny name for this one. So the first one... Spiders are terrifying enough without adding crab claws, melting pot of all your nightmares, the parasitic armored arachnid, Goma. (laughs) Such a long name for such a simple... Goma. Goma. Uh, But you're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So, Goma. Oh, Goma. Because the great Deku tree said, not today, Ganondorf, when he wanted the spiritual stone of the forest, the... Oh, so nice and giving king of thieves left the great Deku tree a wonderful little present of a monstrous tectite like creature that really belongs squash in the bottom of your shoe. <laughs> Goma. Oh, I know. She made herself right at home too inside the great Deku tree, spinning her webs and spreading her offspring and leeching off of the tree's life. Mm hmm basically being a Karen. (laughs) That one got me hard. (laughs) Oh, hit me right in the stomach. So the great Deku tree cries out for help and by sending Navi to Link. So we get Goma's fight. So Goma's weakness is her eye, which is vulnerable when it turns red. So smack it with a Deku seed from your fairy slingshot and she'll be stunned, leaving her open to attack. 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 And once she's defeated, the curse on the Deku tree is broken. You get a heart container and the emerald while simultaneously getting your heart split in two as the great Deku tree passes away. (laughs) I know. It's sad. That was a very sad moment. We get a nice little story and monologue from him too before he dies but (laughs) that was sad I know don't worry we have a baby Deku tree because of it baby Groot (laughs) I am Deku (laughs) so I have a I have a small like a small little interesting fact here so Goma's roars during her boss battle were recycled for Ganon during his final battle Huh. Now that you mention it, and I'm doing another playthrough, yeah. Yep. 100%. Yep. So that's what I have on our wonderful crab. Spider crab? Spider crab. Spider. Goma. Don't worry, Goma comes back multiple times Uh, in the series. Yep. But we're not talking about that now. We're talking about Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Oh, next. The next one on my list. The next on my list is the giant roly-poly. The infernal dinosaur, King Dodongo. 
the jungle. Roly poly. That name, the Dongo. The Dongo. <laughs> now this is King Dongo, not to be confused with the Dongos. In the Dongos Cavern. <laughs> so okay, so while the Goron, <clears throat> while the Gorons were mining for that high quality gourmet food, they stumbled upon King Roly Poly and his nest, which in turn spilled out into the rest of the mines. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Gorons sent out an SOS to the King of Hyrule, but instead got the ever wonderful Ganondorf who decided to block the entrance with a boulder and demanded Darunia give him the Goron's ruby or else nothing will be done about the infestation. I mean, he helped because he blocked off the entrance so they couldn't get out. Oh, yeah, because, you know, he's so helpful. He's an outstanding guy. Mm-hmm. Outstanding guy. And he was only requesting adequate compensation for his labor. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. 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 <laughs> so, let's get into the weakness of King Dodongo are bombs. While he's inhaling to spit his flame blast at you, throw a bomb or bomb flowers his way. He'll inhale it and it'll explode, causing him to collapse. And then you beat him with the sword, the, the sword when he does so. Mm-hmm. That's how you do that. And when he's defeated, he curls up in a ball of shame and rolls himself into a lava pit. As you should when a child beats you. Yeah, I mean, he acts disoriented and, oh, I'm going to roll. No, really what it was was a roll of shame. Yeah. That's what it was. It wasn't him being disoriented. It was, oh, crap, I got beat by Link (laughs) and shamefully just rolls into the lava pit. But you get a heart container and the Goron's Ruby. Yeah. Yeah. And I just... I have a tiny little thing about him. It's not really... King Dodongo has the lowest amount of health in Ocarina of Time. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you at least get that. He doesn't have that much health. Yeah. I did notice that. He was a little bit easier than the rest of them to... Yeah. Quite a bit easier. Yeah, it's because he's got low health. <laughs> Try to throw a bone. So it's an ocarina of time. They should, after breaking our heart with the tree. Right. <laughs> All right. The next one on my list is the prettier version of Ganon. The evil spirit from beyond Phantom Ganon. <laughs> the prettier version. The prettier fake version of Ganon. So he's like the uh, Kroger off-brand macaroni and cheese of Ganon? Yeah. If Ganon was craft? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so when you enter the boss chamber in the forest temple, you think you're getting confronted by Ganondorf. But psych, it's Phantom Ganon, who then jumps into one of the six paintings around the room. And Phantom Ganon and two replicas will ride to the front of the paintings. And you can tell which one is the real fake Ganon by its lighter color. Mm-hmm. And he'll pop out and you shoot him with your fairy bow and 
you get him three shots and the second part begins. And this time he shoots energy balls from his staff and you just have to hit it right back at him with the master sword or a bottle enough times until he falls to the ground paralyzed and you slash him. Slash him up. And when defeated, Ganondorf will pull a Kevin and say, wow, you're awesome, but that's not my real power. You'll have a real hard time beating me. <laughs> Kevin and Karen. Kevin and Karen. With his whole, oh, you were, you did all right, but you know, you, you realize that's not my real power. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then... <clears throat> He turns around, chastises Phantom Ganon, and banishes him to the gap between dimensions for making him look weak. Mm-hmm. How dare you make me look weak? Go to the gap between dimensions. <laughs> Basically. Get him, Ganon. I know. And you get another heart container and the forest medallion from this. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a little interesting thing I want to insert here with this boss fight. Did you know the original concept for Ocarina of Time was going to follow the same concept that Super Mario 64 had? Where in Super Mario 64, you would travel to different levels via paintings. This was going to be a same, the same kind of concept with Ocarina of Time, where you would be in Ganon's castle traveling through paintings to get to other worlds. However the lead the the head of the project said eh, don't really I'm not really feeling the vibe here let's kind of scrap that and go with this other kind of you know adventure title but most of the programming for it had already been done so instead they recycled that programming into this Ganon boss fight yeah I'm yeah it's you know I'm glad they did Mm-hmm. Because one, it wouldn't be the Ocarina of Time that we all know and love today, but at the yeah. same time, stop copying. <laughs> well, it's just because Nintendo or Super Well, it's just because Mario 64 sold so well that they were like, well, why mess with a good thing? Yeah, I know, like, I love Mario 64. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. But yeah, just keep it at that. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad they did. Oh, yeah. If we, I don't think we would have got a 99 out of 100 if they had. Uh, no. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. You always interrupt me. Of course. I'm sorry. Uh, the last one I have. This is the last boss that I have is a really bad trip the bioelectric anemone baronade bioelectric anemone and who it's a really bad trip so the parasitic anemone monster drains the life force out of lord jabu jabu while acting as the guardian of the third spiritual stone, Zora Zaphire. <clears throat> and basically what you have to do is throw a lot of boomerangs 
Well, I mean, you have to throw a lot of the boomerang. Mm-hmm. While electricity is shot everywhere. <laughs> and throwing the boomerang will get the Bari off of Baronade. Where you have to strike the core to stun the beast. And then you get to hit it. It's like a big whole mess. Like you've got these little jellyfish that are like, oh, we'll protect you. So you have to get them off. Then you have to stun them. Then you get to hit them. Yeah. But if the first five Bari are removed and or applying enough damage to the core, Baronade spins an electrical frenzy around the room. And that's a whole lot of fun. Yeah, that was... mm. No. But when defeated, Baronade explodes into a puff of green gas and leaves behind a heart container. And once you meet with Ruto, you get the sapphire. So there's a little silver lining there of this gigantic bad trip of a ridiculousness. Baronade. (laughs) So... I just have a fun little thing here. Baronade is connected to the Bari in some way. Because when you hit the stunned Baronade, the impact will kill the Bari around it. Huh. So they're connected in some sort of way. Probably because they're all... All the monsters in Jabu Jabu are psychedelic trips. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Running around in Jabu Jabu is like a really bad psychedelic trip. Yep, it really is. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty colorful. Pretty. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they're pretty, but it's very colorful. I would. I would argue that Jabu Jabu's Jabu Jabu level was very much the most colorful thing in Ocarina of Time. Jabu Jabu, Jabu Jabu. Uh, the most attractive character in Legend of Zelda. <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Uh, I had to throw that in there. You did. I did. So. I'm done. You finished. I'm done. I'm finished. Now we're going to go through mine. So we're going to start with none other than going back to the undead and talking a little bit about Bongo Bongo. So Bongo Bongo's boss fight is a little different than most. Because during this boss fight, you have to use the Lens of Truth to see him. Which is one of the only times where we have to be able to find an enemy to fight them in this game. Now, there are some other things. You know, you use this same Lens of Truth to explore a lot of the well in this game. And, respectively, the the Spirit Temple. However comma he's the only boss you have to fight with the lens of truth now that being said bongo bongo is this large monstrosity hulking monstrosity that hangs from the ceiling has one eye kind of got this starfish like face and his hands are detached from his body but still usable and I mention all this He got them dead hands. Got them dead hands. <laughs> I mention all this because it's going to get into our theories. So, enough about all the descriptions for Bongo Bongo. 
Let's talk about some series. Mm. Let's talk about some theories. So the first one is Bongo Bongo is theorized to be Sheikah. And this is solely because when you talk to Shikashi near the House of Skulltula, he states, and this is verbatim, a long time ago, there was a man in this very village who had an eye. They said could see the truth. Now, usually you have to train your mind's eye most strenuously, strenuously to actually see the truth. But this fellow, no, they said he had a different way of doing things. His house stood where the well is now. So the reason people believe it to be Sheikah is because one, the lens of truth we know is a Sheikah artifact. And two, we know that Bongo Bongo not only has to, we have to use the, the lens of truth to fight him, but he also shares the kind of one eye concept of the lens of truth. The description for Bongo Bongo is a phantom shadow beast. Now, phantom in these games possibly either means usually a dark or shadow creature or a deceased person being phantom. Ghost. Ghost, yes. So, all of this being said, the theory is that as a Sheikah, Bongo Bongo betrayed the royal family of Hyrule during the Civil War and was executed because of this and being sent to the bottom of the well in Kakariko Village to be tortured before execution. This is believed because of all the things we find in the bottom of the well, we find in the temple itself that's in Kakariko Village. In addition to all of this, we also see that Bongo Bongo's hands are severed from his body. So all of this is believed that Bongo Bongo was basically tortured to extract information from before being killed. And because of his vengeful spirit, as we talked about Poe's earlier, other creatures can follow the same kind of path. It's theorized that Mongo Bongo came back as this shadow creature bent on vengeance and destruction that was further influenced through Ganon. So that is our big, big theory here. The other theory that I wanted to talk about was that Bongo Bongo was created after Ganondorf became the king of evil. And this is because Sheik never mentions when Impa sealed Bongo Bongo in the bottom of the well. And the entrance to the bottom of the well is sealed off as an adult in the timeline. And he was never seen in the well when Link journeyed there as a child. So it may have just been a malevolent spirit that Ganon twisted to be Bongo Bongo. So there's two pretty good theories here. I like the Sheikah theory, though. Yeah, I kind of do, too. It fits a little bit better, in my opinion. It just, yeah. And yeah. there's nothing saying, and I get it, he's not being at the bottom of the well during this whole, you know, 
kind of deal. But there's nothing saying that this creature couldn't have been sealed away in the temple by Impa to then later break free of its seal like it did to then have all this happen. And maybe Ganon influenced it to be able to break away from its seal. You know, there's a lot of unknown variables with that whole thing. But nonetheless, that is what we have for Bongo Bongo. And another little funny thing, which most people will already know, but uh, Bongo Bongo actually got his name from the bongo drums that he plays. No. (laughs) What? No. I love the fact that (coughs) they make names like Bongo Bongo, Jabu Jabu. Like, it's just double their names. (laughs) It is pretty great. (laughs) So the next one on my list we're going to jump into is none other than Volvagia. So Volvagia is the ancient red dragon that lives in Death Mountain that we have to fight as adult Link. Here's a little interesting tidbit of information before you continue on with this. I can't say that name to save my life. <laughs> I can't. Don't know why. It's just my brain sees it and just bleh. What were you trying to call it earlier? Vulgaria. Vulgaria. <laughs> I, I don't know what the mm. issue is, but I cannot say that name. Oh, goodness. So... Volvagia was an ancient red dragon that lived in the depths of Death Mountain and was essentially the spirit of the mountain. It was said that a legendary Goron destroyed it and used none other than the Megaton Hammer to do so. Wouldn't you know it? We have to use the Megaton Hammer to beat him in a boss fight, too. Hmm. Coincidence? I think not. So, long story short, so basically Ganondorf had revived Volvagia from its demise in order to protect the Fire Medallion. So we have to go whoop it up. But he was also using Volvagia to keep the Gorons in check because he would feed Gorons to Volvagia to make an example to other races that might try to revolt against him. So it wasn't just Gorons, it was everybody. He was actively feeding Gorons to Volvagia. Essentially, Darunia's son asks Link to go and destroy Volvagia to stop everything and save his people. And that's what we do. We go in, we whoop Volvagia up like a whack-a-mole machine and we save the day. Yes. (laughs) Volvo. 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 So I got a couple interesting facts here. Volvagia and King Dodongo are the only two bosses in the Ocarina of Time that actually have special theme songs. No. <laughs> Roly polies and dragons. 
Another little interesting fact is in the Nintendo 64 original version, Volvagia was referred one time as he. Volvagia is actually an it. This was later fixed in the Ocarina of Time 3D version. Another one, this is a lineage type deal. Valu from the Wind Waker is suggested to be Volvagia's descendant per the Hyrule Historia. And it kind of makes sense. So the last one I have is Volga, a villain in Hyrule Warriors, shares many similarities with Volvagia. They have similar names, utilize fire attacks, and Volga's helmet resembles Volvagia's skull. On top of all of this, Volga can actually take a dragon form which resembles Volvagia. And both have the V names. <laughs> so, uh, you had a German translation for the name. I have a French one. Ooh, what is it? Uh, so the French name is, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Volcania, meaning volcano. No. What? No, because no, it's a fire dragon. <laughs> what? Volcano? Volcano. Yeah. I thought it was cool. <sighs> I'm blown. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty cool. Uh, so that brings us to the next one on my list, which is Morpha. And we won't spend a whole lot of time on this. So Morpha is a boss that you find in the Water Temple that was created by Ganondorf after he got the Triforce of Power. And its whole concept is it basically just controls the water in the room where you find it. And it's made seemingly completely out of water. It is basically just this giant tentacle made of water that has this one weak spot nucleus that you have to hit this entire fight. And that's that's pretty much it on it. I mean, it's its whole purpose there was to defend the water medallion and keep you at bay. And that's about it. Uh, some interesting facts about it, though, is Din's fire is capable of evaporating Morpha's tentacles. <laughs> uh, Morpha can be defeated very easily by using the long shot to pull it and continuing to do so when approaching the corners of the room to avoid it escaping. Uh, you must repeatedly slash it while it's trapped in the corner, and this results quite often in a complete 100% injury-free boss fight with it. This is actually used by a lot of speedrunners. <laughs> um... Another little interesting fact is after you beat Morpha, Lake Hylia is restored to its former water-filled state. However, Zora Domain is not. It still remains frozen. And another thing is a lot of people actually believe that Navi is the one who warns Link about the water in the room being basically being Morpha. It's actually Princess Rudo that warns Link. It's very much different in the Japanese version because they have different speech patterns, like noises. And 
their text is also different colors and Rudo's sentences tend to end with a very specific set of Japanese characteristics so it's Japanese version it's very simple to see who's talking and who's not essentially um the last little tidbit I have here is prior to the official release of Ocarina of Time Morpho was simply called Water Spirit on the official Nintendo website hmm. I'm glad we got uh, Morpha instead of Water Spirit yeah <laughs> yeah name your bosses guys come on come on <laughs> just because they're evil and obnoxious and annoying and you defeat them does not mean they don't deserve a name bingo so the final boss that's worth noting in this game at this moment is none other than twin rova Ugh. <laughs> so we aren't gonna go terribly in depth because there's a lot about twin rova but we've also already covered a lot of that when we talked about Ganondorf. So we're just kind of kind of breeze on through this. But there are some special things to know here that we didn't talk about when talking about Ganondorf when it comes to who Twin Rova actually is, which is Kotake and Kome combined together. So essentially... One is the Sorceress of Ice and the other one is Sorceress of Flame, respectively, obviously. And when combined, Twin Rova becomes both. Wielding both fire and ice magic to fight you. They are the surrogate mothers of Ganondorf, like we discussed in our Ganondorf episode. Um, but they are actually 400-year-old witches. Yeah. Witches be yeah. crazy. Is, wait, wait, wait. So the combination of those two, is that why it's called twin? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I just, I just <clears throat> need to make sense of this. So Kotake is the ice, obviously blue jewel, and Kome is fire, utilizing the red jewel in their headbands. The whole thing between them is, is that their whole... Their whole thing is they want Ganondorf to succeed. Well, of course they want their baby boy to succeed. <laughs> what good mother doesn't want their child to succeed? <laughs> exactly. Like they they are the ultimate like Karens of all Karens. Mhm. Mm However, comma, they're not wanting Ganondorf to succeed for their for his own gain. That's all personal for them because they want to see the Gerudo tribe being top dog on the map. They want the Gerudo tribe to be in charge of everything. And it's it's really interesting, and we talked about it a lot when it came to Ganondorf, but Kome and Katake basically kidnapped Ganondorf in a way when he was first born and just raised him to be this powerful dark sorcerer that his whole allegiance was to the Gerudo tribe and raising them to be unstoppable. And like we said, top dog. And when everything comes to a boiling point, when we finally get to Twin Rova is when 
Komei and Kotake have failed on countless occasions to stop us. The Iron Knuckle, we beat, we beat the jail they locked us in, we, we beat everything they threw at us, and finally they had no choice but to resort to, call, you know, fusing into one once again. So during this fight, your big, big help here is the Mirror Shield. You're going to use this to redirect the attack of one sister back at another. So this is when Komei and Kotaki are fighting you individually. You're going to shoot the ice towards fire and fire towards ice. Once that's done, they're going to kind of fuse together. And then it's just going to be a matter of reflecting their attacks back at them until you can get some good hits and move on. It's pretty much the boss fight in general. So this isn't the last time we're going to talk about these two. They're going to be brought back in Majora's Mask again in Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. And they're going to be talked about in a couple of other appearances as well. Yeah. But that is what we have for Twin Rova. Ugh. <laughs> and of course, the big baddie. Ganondorf, mm -hmm. but we've already covered him, so why beat a dead horse? Ha ha. <laughs> he was a dead pig, thank you. No. Listen, you get to tell cheesy jokes, so do I. Yeah, but I'm good at it. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, that is it for our bosses episode, or at least our notable bosses episode. Should we spill the beans about what we're going to talk about next episode? characters didn't even no build up no nothing no nope. just drop the ball so yes ariel said it best we're going to talk about characters next episode and the characters we're going to focus on are going to be obviously our sages but we're also going to focus on some more comical npcs or just sad npcs like the sculptula family and our uh friend the gravedigger and I believe there's a particular set of ghosts that you love to talk about. No. <laughs> you don't want to talk about... Uh, the Composer Brothers? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, too bad. We're going to talk about them. They be a little flat for me. Oh, my gosh. Well, on that bad joke, I think it's time for us to end this episode. Thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. Ariel! Bye. Thank you all for listening to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. If you did, tell a friend, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can chat with us all things Legend of Zelda on the Robots Radio Discord. Or you can get hold of us on our Twitter at LOZ Lorecast. Intro and outro are done by Bentonal Landscape. Links are in the show notes below. Till next time, dear listener, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this.